A week at church camp is hard on the body and hard on the voice, and even it wears you out a little bit mentally, but I think somehow I'll be able to manage to squeak out a sermon. My plans for today was to go ahead, and uh, those of you who were here last week, you know I started a sermon, and I said, well, I can just read through the rest of it. I got through my main point. Uh, I was... I, the plans I had for the, the sermon today wasn't coming together as quickly and easily as I wanted to, uh, so Jerry and I are going to work on it this week, and uh, we'll have that prepared for next week. But I'm going to go ahead and uh, finish the message that we began last week. And you might remember last week, I was kind of playing on this thought of something I learned in college is that, and in, in, it's Psychology class is one of the things we do when we're communicating with people and just in relationships with people. We're constantly assessing whether we realize it or not. We're trying to figure out what does that person think about me? What's their opinion of me? Do they like me or not? Do they think I'm smart or they think I'm dumb? What it, we're constantly just trying to figure out what is in somebody else's head. And what that does is it affects how we relate to them. Their, our opinion of what, what we think their opinion of us affects how we act towards them, and then that's going to, you know, affect what their opinion is, is of us because how we're acting and what we're saying is being totally affected. So it's a really interesting psychology thing as we interact with people. But when you become a Christian... There's a wonderful thing that happens, or should happen, is suddenly our mind shifts from being too concerned about what others think about us to really being concerned with only thinking about what God thinks about us. That is what we try. We want to please God. We don't need to please others. We are, are caring not about how others think about us, we want to know that God thinks of us well. So if trying to figure out what other people think, it becomes kind of a trap. And we're always kind of working towards doing something because we think it's going to make somebody view us better. Or, or, and we, if we think somebody doesn't like us, then we'll start avoiding them. And, and God doesn't want that. He wants us, if somebody is, our, is truly our enemy or somebody doesn't like us, God wants, them, wants us to treat them the same uh, as we would somebody who does like us. He wants us to love everyone, to serve others, to be kind to others, to help build others up. So we looked at that concept of not being overly concerned with what others may be thinking about you, but be confident with who you are in Christ. When you're pleasing God, it makes this difficult thing of relationships a lot easier. Um, that's a point I didn't make when we were talking about relationships a couple of months ago. Be confident with who you are in Christ. Do things His way. And that is going to help build the proper relationships with others. So, <clears throat> the second part of this then is that if we go too far with not caring about what others think, then we could actually go too far and say, well, I don't care about others, or I don't need others. And we got to be careful not 
to come to that. We don't want to dismiss others. We don't want to dismiss their feelings. We don't want to dismiss the fact that we are to live at peace with them, and we do care about what they think. But we need to remember that we do need each other. So this all comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First couple of verses. And there, we were. our first thought came from this idea that Paul starts his letter by saying, Paul, called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He's establishing who he is in Christ. And as one who's getting... It was starting a letter written to a church, a church in Corinth that was having all kinds of problems. Some of their issues were with Paul. And he's saying, setting up the fact, and we looked at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 in particular, that he's kind of like, if you guys judge me, I'm all right with that. I don't even, you can judge me all you want. I don't care. I don't even judge myself. You guys shouldn't be judging me. I don't judge myself. The one who examines me is God. I answer to him. So that's in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. He had a lot of of issues going on with these people. They were coming at him, and he's just saying, Oh, well, I'm fine with that because I answer to him. I answer to him. So let's be confident with who we are in Christ, just like Paul was confident that he was an apostle because God chose him. This was by the will of God. So we are children of God. By God's will, we are children. We're not called as apostles, but we are called to be his children, and therefore we are concerned with what he thinks about us. So place, and now on to uh, the bottom of the outline. If you're following along on the outline, it's in the bulletin. Um, The bottom half there says, place your confidence in Christ, but love others and work with others. So notice in verse number one, Paul establishes himself as he's the apostle. God chose him as apostle. But he says, Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Sosthenes, our brother. So he's got somebody who is helping him with this letter. And there's different thoughts about maybe what that might be. It might be Sosthenes is working with him to develop the letter and the style and, um, and, and the words and the Holy Spirit is involved there with him, guiding them. This all comes from God. It's directed by God. Every word is from him. God, by the Holy Spirit, we get the word through them, the most likely reason that Sosthenes is mentioned is because Paul is speaking, he is dictating what is to be in the letter, and Sosthenes is there writing, 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 writing like a madman and saying, slow down, Paul, slow down, Paul, wait a second, wait a second, are you ever going to end this sentence, Paul? Paul spoke in long sentences. And that's another reason to believe that that's what was happening, because Paul often... Long sentence. When we talk, we use these long, we keep going and going and going and long rambling sentences. And that's one of, the, <coughs> one of the things you'll notice about the scripture. Long sentences. And that's because Paul was speaking. Sosthenes was probably writing. He was the amanuensis is what they called him. 
So, but he had somebody there helping him. He is, he is talking from this standpoint of we. Paul and Sosthenes. They are the ones together working on this letter. So it's interesting because Paul, as an apostle, um, did he really need to have a co-author? A co-author is mentioned here. Somebody helping him with this letter. Sosthenes gets his credit. Sosthenes perhaps mentioned in the book of Acts. I don't know if it was him or not, but um, there's a possibility that Scripture talks more about him, but we're not really sure. This is just Sosthenes. We don't know much about him. Did he really need a co-author? If you're an apostle, Jesus directs your words. Jesus has spoken to you. And and in Galatians, Paul talks specifically about that he learned the message, not from other apostles. He learned the message that he preached directly from Jesus himself. He learned it from visions that he received of Christ. Christ coming to him, speaking to him. And so, thanks, Jack. Now, I'm the one, a water bottle has been brought to me, and I get to be the one who knocks it over today and makes the noise. And Is that right? You're setting me up to make noise for my own lesson. Thanks. So, um, Paul's an apostle. Does he really need the help? Let's go to 2 Corinthians. I want to, I want to show you how important it is. And this, this helps establish, I've added a few things in here from last week. So hopefully I didn't make my lesson too long for myself to mess up my voice worse. But go to 2 Corinthians. First, in 1 first and 2 Corinthians, he, he does a lot of saying, I'm an apostle, you need to listen to me. He sets it up in, in 1 Corinthians from the very first verse. I'm an apostle. You need to listen to me. I have authority. So listen to me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10. thought I had it marked. I, I don't. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is in Christ, that he is Christ, Let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will be put to shame. And he continues on. But you hear about his authority. Some of these people were saying, well, I'm in Christ and I've got something to say. And who's Paul? You know, they were kind of putting Paul down probably. Paul's saying, no, I am the one with the authority. And he goes on and he, he feels uncomfortable in chapters 9, 10, and 11. He's uncomfortable doing this, but he's boasting about his authority. He's saying, you've got to listen to me. He is being firm in his authority. Chapter 11, verse 5 because this, this is the theme all through these passages. Chapter 11, verse number 5, Paul says, For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent of apostles. Hey, you guys might have heard of Peter. He was the, the leader of the apostles. He's always the first one to speak up. He was the one that gave the first sermon. You know him? I'm not inferior to him. 
He is listing himself with the apostles. He is not inferior. He is establishing his authority as an apostle. Chapter 12, verses 11 uh, and 12, as he continues through all of this and even talks about the visions that he had. Um, probably a relate, relating to the visions that he had uh, in receiving the gospel message straight from Christ. But in verses 11 and 12, he says, I have become foolish. And he's, he's saying it's a hard thing for him to kind of brag about all that God did for him. God choosing him as an apostle. It's a difficult thing for him. And so he says, I've become foolish. You yourselves compelled me. You guys forced me to do this. Actually, I should not have been commended by, actually, I should have been commended by you, for in no respect was I inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am a nobody. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. So he says, I'm establishing the fact that I'm apostle. An apostle, you guys should have been the one who were commending me and saying, hey, don't, me- don't mess with Paul. He's an apostle. We know it. He proved himself amongst us. So here is the apostle Paul. He goes through and he's discussing with the Corinthians in the first letter, in the second letter. He's saying, I answer to God and I am an apostle. I am the one with the authority. You guys need to listen to me. Don't take what I say and set it aside just because somebody else comes along later and says, Paul was wrong. No, I'm the authority. Christ is the one who spoke to me. So now we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 1. And Paul says, I'm writing this letter along with Sosthenes, our brother. And it's interesting to me there because Paul, he's an apostle. He doesn't need to list somebody with him. The message comes from him. The message that he delivers is actually not from him. It is from Christ. Why does he even reference somebody helping him? Whether it's somebody helping organize the words and the thoughts, or whether it's somebody who is is just simply writing for him. And the thought is, because we need each other. So Paul, can, he's going from these two different viewpoints. Number one, it doesn't matter what other people think. I answer to God. But that doesn't mean I dismiss others. I include them. So you can place your confidence in Christ, but our love for others must remain and our work with each other must remain. We've got to be committed together to building up the family of God. We need the family of God. We need each other. Much of 1 Corinthians is about this because they were so divided. They were just against each other in every way. And that's not the way it is supposed to be. We are supposed to be coming together in the truth of God's word and being bound together in the love of Christ. We need the family of God. We need each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm only going to do two quick verses, and this is probably going to be a a thought and a theme we come back to to later. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 and 21, it says, But 
But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye, so now you can see this is a reference, many members, it's kind of like, you look at a, a human being and say, all right, there's one member is the eye, another member of the body is an ear, you got arms, you got all kinds of members, all kinds of parts to the body. But they work together. Many members, but one body. And the eye, verse 21, cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. A body needs to be together and to work together. And Paul has given us that example in his opening letter. He said, hey, I'm an, I'm an apostle. You got to listen to me. And I'm writing this letter. Yeah, I'm with my buddy Sosthenes. I need him. He is somebody who is assisting me and helping me. The family of God needs each other. Everywhere that Paul went, he had one, two, five, six people with him. Who knows how many? You know, there probably were others that were there along with him too, helping him along the way. We need each other. Jay, when he preaches, he's always focusing us back on this, the love that we have for each other, how we need to serve each other, how we need to just be filled with the love of Christ, encouraging each other, building each other up in love. Next point says, we are sanctified in Christ. So now we get to verse number two, as he introduces the folks, he, he's already said who's writing the letter. And then he, he says in verse number two, to the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. He says, you know, it's, it's so funny you read through there. He says to the church, he defines what the church is, those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like this word church and then sanctified and then saints. They all kind of have this same picture, this same meaning. A church is, is a called out group, an, an assembly. They leave everybody else and they come together. The idea of being sanctified is you are taken from a group of things that is a common and then you're set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. And here we are as God's people assembled here today. We call this church. This is the assembly. This is the church. That's what we are. And we have come out from the world and come together as we remember who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us. The word sanctified, taken from what's common, and set apart for God's purpose. Very specific. And that word saint is the same, same thing. If you've been sanctified, now you're called a saint. So he says, church, that's where you're at. Sanctified, you were here and now you're here. And saints, that's what your name is now that you're here. Separate from the world. You are saints. So you guys, together, it's this togetherness. Church, sanctified, saints. Listen to this. We are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And that's a togetherness part. That's the emphasis of this language in verse number two. Together. He's reminded as he's getting ready to talk to a church that is split apart in so many ways. He's like, 
No, you've been called to be together. You guys are together. You are in Christ. You're all in Christ. You're one in Christ. How many times does he have, he's putting that picture in their mind? We're here together. So it's, it's, it's the big picture again is, hey, it, you know, it's kind of like we don't have to worry about what others think about us. We're just going to be confident in who we are in Christ. And that fixes our relationship with others then who are in Christ. We, uh, we, we worry about what we're concerned only about him. We only have to please God. And now that we're pleasing God, that makes it real easy for us to come together as who we're called to be in the church. Saint, saints. In other words, then, we have been set apart from what is common to serve God's purpose. That's the definition we came up with a year or two ago about what it means to be sanctified. And here we are together, sanctified, coming together for serving God's purpose. And we do this together. And we come together and we remind ourselves of what we do together. Um, we need each other. We're family. I'm thinking of Frances now. She, she, uh, one of the things that she did was write letters. She made cards, right? Some, she's gone now. And a piece of the body is, has changed. It's a little different. She's, she's gone on to meet the Lord God. She had an important ministry even up to her, her final year. She was still sending cards. She had her daughter helping her. And so now, and this is, who's going to help take that place? An example has been left of one who did something that was so simple, yet so wonderful. And for all of us who receive some of those cards, it's always a great encouragement, isn't it? So the body of Christ, she worked to serve her purpose, to serve God's purpose in her so that she could encourage others and build up the family. Let us work on doing that. Anybody who can do that, please do that. Take up that ministry. Do it well, just like Francis did so well. We're here together as the family. When she was coming to church here, those cards didn't just get sent. They got brought to church, a couple of cards every Sunday. Everybody, anybody remember that? You remember those cards out there? And those cards were the body of Christ. Those who have been sanctified in Christ, we who have a message to deliver, that is our purpose, to just share the love of Christ, the message of Christ with others. And she was helping build up this body. Um, on Thursday, uh, Lord willing, Thursday is going to come around. Uh, at 1 o'clock, I'm going to go out and knock on a few doors. If anybody is able to join me, I know most people aren't able to at that time of day, but if you can... You want to go out and try and reach a few folks? Uh, you want to learn how to knock on doors? You can join me and we'll go side by side and do that. If we have a larger group, then we'll, uh, we'll do that. So Thursday is the day from 1 to 4. And uh, hopefully we'll have a, a, we got a Saturday planned at one point in time too. We can do that, you know, and, and maybe find a few more people at home. 
but we are going to serve our purpose and we do it together. I would love to have somebody come join me if you can. Sharing the gospel message, the good news of Christ. We've been set apart and we need each other. We've got to work together. Coming up on next Sunday is this uh, area-wide singing. Other churches, welcome to come. Uh, there isn't one person who can get everybody here. There isn't one person who can feed the people who do come here. There isn't one person, I guess this one you could almost do. I was going to say there isn't one person who can lead the songs, but we're going to have several people leading songs. And we do it together. This is, this is what the body of Christ does. And Paul is establishing this idea of who we are coming together, working together to serve God's purpose. So we don't have to be concerned with what other people, we don't try and forget in somebody's head, just, just you answer to God and start working with the people of God to do God's things. That's the message today. Just get right with God and just do what He calls us to do. So I hope there's some encouragement for you, some good information that, that God has blessed us with to, for us to consider of what it really means to be in Christ and to be in Christ together, to be the family that he wants us to be. So you can take and apply this. Think about what it means for you, what you need to do. But I will also say that there is this wonderful thought about being sanctified into Christ, um, being a part of the body, that called out body together, the sanctified ones. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we were at a little bit ago, in verse number 13 it says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So we become united in Christ. When we're immersed into Christ, we become part of that one body, set apart from the world, sanctified in Christ. Our sins are washed away, so that's part of the sanctifying process. Now we're pure in Christ, where we have His mind, His thoughts. We answer to Him. He is the one who examines us, and we live for him. So if there's anybody here who wants to be immersed into this one body and you want to enter into this one body where it's just this wonderful peace because you don't have to try and figure out what other people are thinking. You're just like, I'm content with knowing what God thinks about me. That's a good place to be. And being in God's family, it's a good place to be. Working together, loving each other, and promoting the the image of Christ here on this earth. Let us take that to everyone. If anyone wants to come to Christ, be immersed into him, join the family of God, and uh, just uh, have a new way of thinking, a new mind as you live out the rest of your life, you're welcome to respond as we stand together and sing this song of encouragement.